Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. In the late 60s and early 70s, there was a TV series called Get Smart with Maxwell Smart as the, as a secret spy. <clears throat> and the nemesis, the, the, the opposition they were going against all the time was called chaos, referred to as chaos. Now, chaos isn't our enemy, I want, to, I want you to see this morning. Our enemy is the enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucifer. He has a name, multiple names. But he's using chaos in our culture. That's the vehicle he's chosen to use to try and dissuade you and I from standing firm in our faith, to try and silence you and I in our witness for Christ, to try and marginalize our faith and marginalize our witness and marginalize our boldness in a culture that wants you and I to be politically correct about everything. And that has turned into chaos, turned into a chaotic situation in our culture. And so I want you to see him for who he is and see today from this for actually from several texts, how we deal with this, this concept of envy as a part of chaos. Um, we, we learned last week that worry was the first contentment killer. It kills contentment. But beyond worry, envy will snowball on us if we're not careful. And we'll look up days, weeks, months, decades down the road and wonder, what happened to my faith? What happened to my passion? What happened to my sense of who I was in Christ? Where did that go? Well, Envy found its way into my life, usually started with worry, but envy found its way into my life and killed the contentment that I had, killed the, 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 the fact that I knew who I was in Christ and I knew how to live and walk in the truth of that. So I want us to see how to deal with envy today. We're going to be in four different texts, a lot of turning back and forth, but the scripture will be on the screen as well for you. The first is Titus chapter 3. If you want to turn there, we're going to see from verses 3 to 5. In Titus chapter 3, that envy is a liar, first of all, about people. It's a liar about people. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in, uh, lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. We lived in malice and envy, hating each other, he says. What he's talking about, what Paul is talking about here is, in this letter to Titus, is that's the old nature. That's the old man coming out. He said, that's, that's who we used to be. He uses this phrase, at one time, meaning we were all there at one time. At one time, we all had, had, had a fleshly, carnal, uh, selfish nature. Uh, and just as it was true of Paul, it's true of us. But... We kill that nature daily, one day at a time, one situation at a time, one conversation at a time. It's, it's a habit that we find ourselves getting into to say, today, I'm going to die to myself, die to that old man, and pick up the new man in Christ that he's had for me to, to live in, the way he's had me to live and walk in. But when Jesus came, speaks of that in verse 4, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, when Jesus came, he goes to the cross for us and delivers us, dying for us, not because of our goodness, 
but because at our core, we're evil. We're sinful. We're born into sin. And so I want you to get this picture today that he, he died for you on the cross, not because of your worthiness to be died for, not because of your worthiness nor mine to be saved, but because of the fact that at our heart, we were, we're evil and sinful. Now, that seems rather tame sitting in a room, probably, and most of us are believers sitting here today. And that's a, that's a rather tame description. But when you, when you consider that he died not only for your evil, but for the evil of Osama bin Laden, for the evil of Saddam Hussein, for the evil of those who are in our culture that are murdering and killing and child molesters. And he died for all evil, not just yours and mine. It's a little more sobering picture, isn't it, of the sacrifice that he made for us at the cross. And the significance of that, dying to that old man to say, help me nail him down every day. Help me put him to death every day as I start each day. It's a daily process. And I'm going to tell you, the more that daily process develops some consistency, the enemy hates to lose. And as he, as he starts losing and losing and losing with you, you'll start winning and winning and winning even more daily and to where that'll be, the, that'll be first nature instead of second nature to you to find the old man put to death and the new life in Christ living daily out of, your, out of your heart and out of your mouth and out of your mind. Um, goodness doesn't just need mercy applied. Evil does as well. Now look, let's look at the result here that he talks about in verse 2. Uh, we didn't read that, but he says, Verses 1 and 2 says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Watch this. To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. So the result of, of this, this, uh, this transformation, this laying envy down and picking up godliness, results in three things. He talks about slander, being peaceable and considerate, and being gentle, meaning, as, as he talks about slander, taming the tongue. One of the results of laying down envy is taming the tongue, taming what we say, taking every thought captive, the scripture says, and learning to filter what we say through uh, the Holy Spirit that, that is living in us. Taming the tongue, the, the, this idea of being peaceable and considerate speaks to reshaping our attitudes to where we think different. We can't, we can't tame our tongue until our mind is changed. When we start to think differently, what comes out of our mouth sounds differently. So this attitude, reshaping our attitudes comes into play. And then the third thing is this idea of being gentle means changing our behavior, changing the way we interact with others, changing the, the, getting me off the throne and elevating you above me. That's a hard get in, in the culture, in the chaos, chaotic culture you and I are living, are living in is elevating you above me. I don't agree with you. Sometimes I don't even like you. But I want, he calls us here to elevate the other person above ourselves, changing our behavior, living a gentle life of, 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 that's slander-free, that is uh, peaceable and considerate and gentle. Envy says we're all good. In fact, we're all better. But envy's a liar. Envy will lie to you every time, to you and I every time. Titus 3, 3 to 5 speaks to that. It, it's a liar about people. Secondly, turn to, to Job, if you will. Job chapter 5. We'll look at verses 2 and 5 together, or 2 through 5, around this idea that envy is not only a liar about people, it's a liar about possessions. He says in verse 2, Resentment kills a fool, and envy slays the simple. I myself have seen a fool taking root, but suddenly his house was cursed. His children are far from safety, crushed in the court without a defender. 
The hungry consume his, his harvest, taking it even from among thorns, and the thirsty pant after his wealth. Envy slays the simple. In, in essence, envy overcomplicates things, brings more into life than should be there. When we have little and we think the answer is a lot, we're already dead. Envy's already won. When we have little and we think the answer is more, continually more, envy has already won. Why is that the case? Because of what he says here in verses 3 to 5, the wealthy are never satisfied. They're too busy acquiring more and guarding more. I, I, years and years ago, I, ran, I managed a horse farm for a wealthy gener, uh, a gentleman, his family, probably in the top three in, in wealth in, in Knox County or Knoxville area, at least top five at that time. And one of the things I observed about working for that, for that gentleman and being in, in that kind of environment is there is never a satisfaction. There is never a place of, and he had extreme wealth, but he never enjoyed it. He never reaped the benefits. I never saw a sense of settledness and rest and peace in him that you would expect to see in somebody that has a lot of money, has a lot of things. I never saw that. There was this, this, this drive to, for more, this drive that, that I've not conquered the unconquerable yet. And you'd think that wealth would bring, bring to the person, at least at, at some point, especially as, as he was getting older when I was working for him, you'd think he'd bring a, a, a sense of accomplishment to say, I want to rest in, in, in the fact that I've worked hard and I've acquired a lot and my family's taken care of and I have plenty of means to, for the rest of my life. I want to rest in that and, or maybe use, use that, the means of that to help someone else along the way. And I never saw that. I saw unrest. I saw a sense of, of unsettledness there. And that amazed me, actually, because I was expecting to see the, other, uh, the flip side of that, and I never saw that. He says in this verse about the wealth, those wealthy, that his house was cursed, his children are far from safety. You'd think the opposite about that, wouldn't you? You'd think the wealthy, his house would be blessed and not cursed, and his children would be safe and taken care of, not seeking safety all the time. But that's what the Scripture says in Job about him. Uh, that's not how our culture views wealth, I can tell you that right now. Uh, many of us have bought the lie that more gives me more significance. The more I have, the more significance I have. The more I possess, the more value I have. The more, the more value I'm seeing in, in, uh, from the eyes of others. Envy says possessions equal contentment. But envy is a liar, as, as Job says. It's, it's, it slays the simple and complicates everything. And one of the sharpest tools in, in, in our enemy's toolbox is envy. And he uses it again and again and again in you and I. Envy is a liar about people. It's a liar about possessions. Thirdly, envy is a liar about position. Uh, position. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you will, with me. We're going to look at verses 1 to 4 of 1 Corinthians 3. It says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere human beings? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, this first passage says, are you not worldly? Paul is saying here that the two most obvious characteristics of carnality, of, hum of humanity, of worldliness, are jealousy, 
and arguing. Jealousy and unrest. Jealousy and, and disagreement. Those are the two most obvious characteristics of, 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 of our human condition, of, of our carnal condition. Jealousy over what? As he, says, as he says here, over prestige in this passage. Over whether they came to Christ by, by means of Paul or by means of Apollos. And there were these arguments going on in the church at Corinth. Well, I was saved under Paul's ministry, under his ministry. Well, I was saved, I was saved under Apollos. Well, Paul's better than Apollos because Apollos was under Paul. Paul, Paul brought Apollos along himself. So Apollos was a, was a subset of, of, of this modern-day Christianity that we just accepted. And he's saying, leave that alone. Let, let that, that, that sense of position go. Uh, the, uh, the same thing's going on in, in our culture today, in the kingdom. Uh, it's why denominations exist. It's one of the reasons why we're a non-denominational church. Not to say that de denominations are evil. Please don't hear that. But they're certainly not scriptural. I don't find that anywhere in scripture at all. Um, however, many denominations think they have the inside track on, gee, we we're doing it the right way and everybody else they need, to, they need to get with the program and this isn't an anti-denomination stamp but, but that's not the answer denominations aren't the answer to our way, our, our betterment aren't the answer to seeing what God wants us to see uh, this idea of, of making, uh, making rock stars out of people as, as they were prone to do here with Paul and Apollos, we're doing the same thing in our day we're making rock stars out of people like Rick Warren and Andy Stanley and Francis Chan and, and Chris Tomlin. And we're making rock stars out of people. And we're just as guilty in our day. And he's saying here, position doesn't matter. The only position that matters is your position in Christ. Your, your, your relationship with him and the position that gives you, that's the only position that matters. Paul says, we're all in, in verse 5, he speaks to this fact that we're all in the position of a servant. And a servant and envy can't walk together at the same time. They just won't. They won't have anything to do with each other. If I, if I don't envy my, if I don't seek, envy doesn't cause me to seek a position that I have otherwise not held yet, I can never do that and be a servant at the same time. I can never elevate you above me and me be the servant to you. And envy exists, coexists with that. Those, those two places couldn't be further apart. Envy's a liar about people. It's a liar about possessions. It's a liar about position. I want us to see fourthly from Galatians chapter 5. That envy is a liar about purpose. It's a liar about purpose. Galatians 5, <clears throat> verses 19 to 26. Follow along with me. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Does that look like our culture today? Wow. And envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Sharp words in, from Scripture, seemingly harsh. Let's not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. 
He says, let's understand our own purpose instead of envying someone else's because we, don't, we, we are not them or don't have what they have and knocking them down. He says, Let, let's leave that at the door. It's the enemy's goal to divide us, to divide and conquer us. And I've never seen a time of greater division in our culture than I see now. I thought I saw some of that and experienced some of that in the late 60s. I was too young to get it all, but I, I got the fact that we were worlds apart in the 60s. I thought there's no comparison to how far apart we are today as a culture compared to then, I don't think. Um, but that's the enemy's role is to divide and, and hopefully to conquer it. And he starts doing this by creating levels of significance of, of saying God's plan for them is more important than God's plan for me. Look at Tim up on the platform. He's, he's, he's the one that's, and we're missing all of that if we see, if we're seeing each other through, through that lens of envy to say my position, God's call and plan on my life is somehow of a lesser value than, than God's plan for someone else. What we use here at Crosspoint, uh, the tool for that discovery tool is called GAPS, which stands for uh, Gifts, Abilities, and Passions. And many of you have gone through that. Some of you may, may not have. We'll offer one again soon uh, for you too if you haven't. But the, what, what the enemy will, will use those discoveries sometimes to see is, well, gee, this, this gift of teaching or this gift of prophecy or this gift of, uh, of, of uh, 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 pastor, shepherd, or whatever, it's far more important than the gift of service or the gift of mercy, isn't it? And he's saying here in this passage, no. Not, not, not only no, a big fat no. To say, I don't, I don't look through that lens when I see you. I don't see this hierarchy of, uh, of things that are in place in the kingdom that we, we place, people we place in positions of. God doesn't look through that kind of lens, and he's trying to get us not to here in Galatians as well to say, don't see it like that. Regardless of what your gift is, regardless of what your passion is, let the Spirit apply that to your purpose and your call and find pleasure in that. And don't stop this comparison between yourself and others. I, I want to just point this out as well that probably should be obvious in, in, in verses 22, 23, and 24. There's no room for envy in those nine fruits of the Spirit. None. Look at them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no room for envy in there whatsoever because that's all selflessness. That's all laying down myself and picking up what God wants me to, to do and be and become. That's, uh, that's his design for us is that we live by, by the fruits of the Spirit. Envy is a liar about people. It's a liar about possessions. It's a liar about position and a liar about purpose. And if we let it, if we let envy have a foothold in any of these areas, it's going to snowball into the other ones. I promise you that will happen. Because once envy gets a foothold, it's never satisfied to stay where it's at. It's going to start to expand like a cancer does and engulf every area of our life. But to wrap up, let me share this with you. Envy and envy's cousin, jealousy, are both contentment killers. So if you've lost contentment, if you're wondering where, what happened to it, where it went, if it's not lost in worry, as we looked at last week, it's probably been lost in envy and jealousy. Those, those have found, found their way into your life and into your heart and into your mind to steal your, to steal your joy, to steal your sense of commitment. And what happens is they dig into us one hardship at a time. And they dig into someone else's blessing, one blessing at a time. And we're seeing our hardship and their blessing. We're wondering, why, is it, why, why isn't this fair? And envy sets in to say, 
Why am I facing a hardship? Why am I facing a tough time? And God seems to be blessing their life in abundance. And the enemy says, you know why? Because God doesn't love you as much as he loves them. He doesn't think as highly of you as he thinks of them. And you, you, you can't see that in, in the text that we looked at today. In fact, anywhere in Scripture. This, this whole idea that we talked about a moment ago of, I was saved under Apollos, I was saved under Paul. The gospel is the gospel. It doesn't belong to Paulus. It doesn't belong to Paul. It doesn't belong to Tim or to Jerry or anybody else. The gospel belongs to Jesus, and he is the one in your heart, not the one that led you to, led you to Christ. And so if we understand that, 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 that our hardship is not, is not punishment due to the fact that God doesn't love us as much, and someone else's blessing is because he loves them more. It's because God is situationally working in our life to show us envy has no room. If you'll see yourself as selflessness, if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll own me instead of owning your circumstances, you'll learn that I've got designed everything that comes into your life to show you me, a greater picture of me and not a greater picture of your circumstances, nor the way out of them, but me in them. I want you to see me. And so the enemy will use those kind of circumstances to bring about envy, to bring about jealousy, to kill your contentment and to kill your joy every time if he can. So to wrap up, what do you do with the killer? What you do with the killer is you lock them up and throw away the key. And that's what we need to do to envy. We need to lock envy up and throw away the key. You say, I don't know that envy's found its way into my life. Well, if that thought has just entered your life that I just shared with you, why am I in a hard place and why is this other person a blessing? Envy's entered your life, whether you know it or not. It's not just you. It's the enemy putting those thoughts there, placing those thoughts in your mind and in your heart. And take that thought captive. Realize who you are in Christ, who he's designed for you to be, and put envy to bed today. Get up tomorrow, put envy to bed tomorrow. Get up Tuesday, put envy to bed on Tuesday. We, we win those battles one day at a time to where over time, envy's gone. And we wonder, whatever happened to that? Well, I beat that back one day at a time, one situation at a time, one circumstance at a time, to where it no longer has a place of dominance and a place of prominence in my life because I'm choosing to see it as a killer and throw away the key, lock it up and throw away the key. I want to encourage you to take a step in that direction today. Let's pray. Father, we are here uh, at varying stages of envy and jealousy, looking at the circumstances of others around us, looking at, looking at our world and, and, and saying, why, when I try to live for God in a, in a dark and deadly place, why am I not more fruitful? Why am I not more successful? What's wrong with me? Would you help us see today that our enemy is not chaos. Chaos is the byproduct of our enemy. Our enemy is the devil. Our enemy is Satan himself. And he is, the scripture says, a liar. In fact, he's the father of every lie. That's how he's described in the word of God. So if he's speaking to us, he's speaking a lie to us. So if we can learn to push him back daily and say, I'm not believing the lie about envy. I'm not believing the lie about worry. That's not who I am today. If we can gain those victories one day at a time, we'll mount for ourselves a track record of markers to where you start to come through in our, in our heart, in our circumstances, in our life, in our world, in our witness, in our walk. And we start to see the effects of those in our world. We start to see the fruits of the Spirit being natural and not contrived. We start to see our witness being have, having a, a place of, of, of impact and not falling on deaf ears seemingly all the time. We'll start to wonder... Why is my life making more sense? Why is the scripture clearer to me? Well, it's because we're putting the enemy to death 
We're putting in, in the form of envy and, and locking him up and throwing away the key. Give us the courage today to start that place. If we're here and jealousy has, has gripped us, envy has gripped us, move us into a place of selflessness, a place of I elevate you above me. You, you, you will allow us a sense of peace, a sense of contentment, and a sense of joy to return. When we do that, we've got to put envy to death for that to happen. We've got to nail the door shut on envy for that to happen. Thank you today for these reminders and a privilege to walk in the truth of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.